Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, college basketball, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 247. I know we're not talking about the NFL this week, but Brock Purdy this past Sunday joined an elite list of 65 other quarterbacks to have posted a perfect passer rating in a game. He's the 80th, like the 80th time this has happened. Like I said, 65 quarterbacks. There's a couple quarterbacks that have done this multiple times, which is how we get all the way up to the number 80. But this is the first time that Brock Purdy has done it. And potentially we'll see this more for reference. Lamar Jackson has done this twice. Tom Brady has done it three times. Ben Roethlisberger has done it four times, and that's the most amount of times anyone's ever done it. Big Ben and uh, I believe Peyton Manning also did this four times. But yeah, Brock, Brock Purdy's up there. He's in the big leagues. Sure is. He's probably just as good as all those quarterbacks you listed. Probably. We'll see. He might just be a system quarterback, whatever that means. Does that mean? Nobody knows what that means. That's sort of the point, isn't it? It means you want to be mean to a quarterback that's doing well. Do you want to know a, a kind of a sad fun fact that's related to it? There's only one individual ever that's had a perfect passer rating, played an entire game, and lost it. Any guesses? It, it's obscure. New York Jets quarterback from 2003. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? That's uh, too long know. ago. I was seven. Yeah. There's somebody screaming it right now. It's Chad Pennington, of course. Uh, Chad oh, Pennington. Of course. Should when you that. said New York Jets, I was like, oh, Mark Sanchez. And then I was like, wait, 2003? He's not that old. No, he was only butt fumble. He didn't ever post a perfect passer rating. He was only butt Right, but when you said obscure, that would be obscure. Is that is a butt fumble obscure? No, no. no. It's one of the most no. famous plays probably in the NFL. I feel like people who don't know much about the NFL, if you were like, you ever see the butt fumble? They'd be like, yeah, it's funny. That's fair. Most people probably couldn't name Mark Sanchez, though, I suppose. Rex Ryan could. He has a tattoo of him on his body. <laughs> Who wants to take college football? Anyone? I don't I think don't... anybody knew how to segue that. From... You, you don't. You just start. I, I, no, I just don't want to talk about it because I'm still sad. That's really why. It was a sad week of football for me. The Cyclones lost. The Vikings lost. And I went 0-4 in fantasy football. It was just oh a sad God. It was just a sad week of football. I was watching the KU-K-State game at the same time as well, and they lost, like, a lot of losing. Yeah. So who wants to take it, though? (laughs) So this week, um, as we all know, the Cyclones were playing the Texas Longhorns with a chance to deal the Longhorns the second loss of the season. And, I mean, the Cyclones kept it close um, for a good chunk of the game. I mean, it was a one-score game in the end, so they were – they were in it the whole way. Unfortunately, they were not able to, I guess it was a 10-point game at the end, sorry. Um, but they were not able to get it done at the end. Um, to me, the biggest thing was um, the run game. We ran for a grand total of nine yards on the game. Nine. Nine yards. And we still almost won. For those of you doing math at home, that's less than half a yard per rush attempt. Yeah. Again, we, we held their offense more or less in check um, until right near the end. In the end, yeah, that 
to the uh, the inability to run the yard uh, to run the ball, and then some uh, untimely mistakes um, were also what did us in. There was a missed field goal um, in there. I mean, granted, it was a fifty-one yard attempt, but yeah, it was, was missed a, wide left. There was a missed field goal. There was a blocked extra point that was returned for two, which yeah. could have made it a one-possession game at the end instead of a. Uh, Instead of a two possession game, um, you threw in an exception um, in Texas territory. Yeah, so, when you play yeah. a top 10 team like that, you just have to, especially when you're Iowa State and you know you're not as good, you have to play mistake free football if you're going to have a chance. And we didn't. And that's why we lost by 10. If we could have eliminated a couple of those, I think it definitely was within the realm of possibility. Also, some of the issues we have definitely bring to mind the question, why don't we have an, a special teams coordinator, right? We've talked about this a million times. And watching both of those special teams mishaps, I'm just like, can't we get somebody whose job this is just to just to practice this? Because it, it hasn't been a big deal this year most of the time, but boy, it's annoying when it comes up. I, so I don't put any blame on Chase Contreras, though, for missing a 51-yarder. No, I like, don't either. It, so it got, and the extra point got blocked up the middle too. Like that ain't that the kicker's impressive. fault either. Yeah, that's not the kicker's fault. So like, it's not. It before it's been like okay, we we don't have a great kicker like that much. We know outside of forty yards, you know, this is not probably our smartest idea. Chase Contreras, for all intents and purposes, this year has been phenomenal for us. But a fifty-one yarder, I mean. Jake Moody, who is drafted in what the fourth round for the San Francisco 49ers this year, couldn't make a 30 yarder to win a game. Uh, so it's what it is with kickers. But yes, like those what when we talk, talk about the margins, uh, we just did not play well in those margins in this game. We had penalties that hurt us. We had um, play calls and in, in situations that hurt us there we were just sloppy in that game and not, you know, refined. It wasn't the best product on the field. Granted, were we fine? Were, was it a little bit of, you know, maybe we're slightly overmatched here in the run game? A hundred percent. I had highlighted that last week in our episode, talking about how that defensive front is going to be one that is formidable and we're not going to get a lot of rushing yards on them. And I was even shocked at the lack of rushing yards we were able to gain. So that is something that we're going to have to go and kind of figure out. But Texas's star defensive lineman, if anybody was watching throughout the game, he always lined up on our rookie right guard or rookie freshman right guard, true freshman. So that was a tough assignment for him all night long uh, against a fifth year senior. So it it is what it is. We kind of were outgamed and outmatched uh, at home in this one. Yeah, I, it was definitely disappointing. Almost, it was disappointing because of how close it was. Like you felt like it was within reach. You just need a couple things to go right. But all things considered, this is a roundabouts five hundred team, unranked, facing a top ten team that has some aspirations of maybe going to the college playoffs if things shake out right. Like. 26 to 16 ain't too bad for that, you know? Like, keeping expectations realistic is good. Even Obviously, you want to win every game, but it's pretty darn hard, and they're a really good team this year. Uh, so I think we can be happy with the way that we played overall. 
and be excited that we were even in this one at all. Because I think at the beginning of the year, that was not something we were thinking was going to happen. We were, we were just hoping for a bowl game. And yeah. I guess, I mean, we're probably... And I wasn't expecting one. And I mean, six and six is definitely the most likely outcome for this season, which is barely a bowl game. But um, but a bowl still, game, it's a bowl game. Yeah. Yep, it's a bowl game, and it's better than we thought we thought it was going to be. So we, we will take that for sure. Any other thoughts on on the Texas game? I didn't get to watch a ton of it, so I don't have any other thoughts. But no, not really. Yeah, um, not a ton. It it played out on TV a lot, like it played out in the box score. To be honest, so. Uh, next week, looking at the next week, last game of the regular season, 7 p.m. on Saturday on Fox, Farmageddon uh, at K-State. Uh, K-State is nine and a half point favorites. Uh, FPI gives Iowa State a 15% chance to win, which feels about right to me. And, I mean, this is a huge game for K-State because uh, in all that talk of Iowa State making the Big 12 championship game, we sort of forgot that K-State can still make the Big 12 championship game as well. They're uh, in a three-way tie for second with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at six and two. So I haven't done the tiebreakers for that, and frankly, I'm not going to. Um, but this game means a lot more for K-State than it does for Iowa State. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If we lose, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose this game, is, is I guess what I'm trying to get at here. K-State's the better team. It's on the road. It means more. This isn't um, two years ago when we go in with Brees Hall first game or first play from scrimmage. What was it? 75 yard touchdown run. Um, this like that is not going to happen against this K-State team. You don't uh, believe in really, not against this K-State defense. No. Um, K-State's really uh, adept at running the football. Um, we've had some struggles against the run as of late. They, K-State does have the opportunity to play with like a two quarterback system. Um, although Avery Johnson really hasn't been playing as much as of late for the Wildcats. Um, but overall, K-State's going to be a very offensive, offensively efficient team. Um, and they don't play like poorly within the margin or like in the margins. They're really efficient on third down. Um, 49.7%, which is tied for 15th uh, in the country this season. Um, and then on defense, they do get off the field uh, at a pretty high win rate. They only allow 28% of third down conversions, which is an area that we struggle in offensively mightily. So, yeah, this could be a a very lopsided victory. Uh, hopefully it's not the 10 to 9 outcome that we had last year in Ames. Uh, there was a little bit of a struggle to watch and stay interested in, but it could go the other way. And I'm just hoping it's not the Iowa State BYU blowout that we had two weeks ago in our favor. I mean, if we blew them out, I'd be happy. Well, the the blowout that happened in our favor, but then it goes against us against K State is what I was alluding to. Yeah, I think for our team to get up for this game, it just has to be. Playing spoiler, which is something that Iowa State is pretty familiar with. I mean, we are not generally a top, top flight team, but we're often a decent team in late years. So just getting up and trying to ruin somebody else's day is pretty much what you're going to have to play for. Last game of the year, right? So can you, well, I guess the bowl game, but, you know, do it for your seniors and see what you can do there. But yeah, uh, fingers crossed. I 
hope for a win, but I don't expect one. I think, I think that's a fair way to uh, fair way to phrase it, and we'll see what happens, and we'll of course talk about it on next week's episode. Um, though it will st- even after that, though it'll still be another will it be another week or two weeks before we figure out the ball game destinations? It'll at least be after championship week. Will it yeah. be that Sunday? It I think so it's we- that Sunday. Okay. Because they so. they figure out like the college football playoff, obviously, and then the New Year's Six polls, and then they basically disseminate where everybody else is going to go after that. Sure, sure, fair enough. All right. Well, from from a state of you know, we have to have a lot of hope to see some good things. Uh, there's a lot of hope to go around for this uh, Cyclone men's basketball team this year. It was just a good resounding win this week against Grambling State. Um, if any, if our listeners weren't paying attention, uh, and you remember Terrence Lewis, who was a former Cyclone, he was playing for Grambling State this uh, on sun this past Sunday. Um, and overall, Iowa State just played really sound basketball. Omaha Blue finally emerged a little bit, especially more so in the second half. Uh, in this game, uh, he was, you know, cutting to the rim really well. And just he seemed like the game was starting to slow down for him a little bit more, which is obviously really encouraging and something we've been hoping for, especially since he's been off to a little bit of a slow start. But with that, I ultimately, there's not a lot to talk about on that win because Iowa State really hasn't played a ton of stiff competition so far. The only thing that you like to see is that with these wins, we're playing, basically we're beating them soundly and we're forcing a lot of turnovers and hopefully not turning the ball over as much. Unfortunately, this game against Grambling State was a little anti-characteristic for the Cyclones recently. They did allow 13, or they gave up 13 turnovers uh, in that game, but overall turned the ball over or forced Grambling State into 20 turnovers in this game. So uh, just a, a really good sight to see. Um, going forward, though, this week uh, is the ESPN Invitational, which takes place in Florida, I believe. Um, and Iowa State is in a tournament pool that they'll first play uh, VCU. Um, that's their guaranteed game to start um, as well in the pool, Boise state, Virginia tech, and then on the other side of the bracket, Florida Atlantic, Butler, Penn state, and Texas A&M of the pool of teams in there right now, Texas A&M is the second highest ranked team. Uh, according to Ken Palm, um, not the AP 25 rankings, Florida Atlantic at the beginning of the season was ranked really highly, but who knows if that was more so of just carryover from uh, their Cinderella hey, run that, last that year. That sounds familiar. It's like somebody said that on you, last week's you, episode. You did say that, and they ended up losing too this past week. So uh, that did happen. But Texas A&M, uh, Ken Palm loves them in the metrics overall. Um, adjusted offense for them. They're ranked 16th and defense 31st. Um, so that will be a formidable team um, if we reach that stage of the bracket. But our first opponent being VCU, um, BPI gives us an 82% chance to win that game. 
Um, it looks like a very, very, very winnable game for the Cyclones. Um, Momchilovich is leading the team so far uh, in points per game, averaging nearly 15 per game, shooting 56% from the floor uh, and 88% from the foul line. I I think this is a game that Iowa State's going to, you know, be able to cruise through hopefully pretty easily. Uh, VCU for in the Ken Palm rankings is ranked 95th. Um, so overall. You know, a little bit better competition they're, than we faced so far. They're the worst team in the field, but, but they still are the, the worst, worst team in the field. Yeah, they're the worst team in the field. Um, so then, looking ahead after that game, they'll either play Boise State or Virginia Tech. I believe both of those teams are ranked in the seventies in Ken Palm. So they're yep two of the second worst teams in the field, other than Penn State, which is at the top of the bracket. Um, and then if we get past the winner of that Boise State and Virginia Tech game. That's when we we would be looking ahead to probably a Texas A and M matchup, which would be the best team that we've faced so far this season. So, yep, there you have it. Uh, I think it should be a an exciting week of basketball. You know, it's not the big headlines that we saw in the uh, early season tournament last year that Iowa State played in, um, featuring at that time the number one overall team in the country north carolina which was a little bit of a bias yeah, ranking they really they beat them yeah uh, did they even make the tournament i can't remember i don't think I don't they remember. did i don't think they were ranked I at the end of the season they sure. i don't think they were ranked but i thought they made the tournament let me check i can verify that really quick yeah but this is going to be the first time we really get to see what does this they team did look not like? make the tournament yeah so we basically ruined their whole season but It'll it'll be interesting to see the first time that these guys are going to play against teams that may make the tournament, like teams that, I mean, not VCU, but some some teams that will definitely challenge as opposed to teams that you've never heard of before, like Grambling. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is key for that very reason, because as impressive as we've looked um, at the start of the year, and maybe I already said this and I missed this, Kyle, our strength of schedule on Ken Powell is currently is 362 out of 362. According to Ken Palm, wow. we played the easiest schedule in college basketball. So yes, we've looked really good, but we have played literally the easiest schedule in college basketball. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, yeah. The and I had said that at the beginning of the season, I think, maybe after the second or third game, I can't remember. I was like, you can't take much from these games. Like, these aren't teams that are going to give you stiff competition. It's like basically a preseason scrimmage is what it felt like. Um, but now is where you start seeing these matchups, you know, playing against teams that can rebound the ball, can turn you over as well, um, and are just going to provide that a higher level of competition. The thing that Iowa State has you know, shown so far though, is that defense is still, um, you know, hounding and gets after the ball and pressures it similar to last year. Defense always seems to travel well, um, which is going to be a very good thing as we get into big 12 play. Uh, but you know, this will be a great kind of, uh, metric to see, you know, how we are actually able to stack up against, um, competition that's like your your own size you know stop picking on the small kid and and fight someone your own size is what this feels like yeah they've given up over 50 points only once in their first four games let's see how that goes 
you know, against some different competition. But it'll be interesting for sure. So keep your fingers crossed. It's definitely going to be a big time in the development of this team. They're very different than the team we saw last year, just personnel-wise. For sure. Any other thoughts on uh, the upcoming Cyclone men's basketball games here? I don't think so. Nope. Cool, cool. Um, so we will move right along into our Mike Stupid Rules segment. And originally what I was going to do is I was just going to, as Arian suggested, pick a random page in a random rule book and tell you about it. But then I remembered there were rule changes for college basketball this year um, that I figured we should go over as we'll all probably start watching more college basketball now that college football is over. So there are four new rules um, for this year. Um, the first one is on shot clock. It just add it allows more lights to indicate um, shot clock violations um, to like where the clock is like above the basket. You can have more lights there now. Not particularly interesting. Um, um, for uniforms, um, there are basically they uh, allowed a few more um, numbers. To be added, 0 through 99 are all now all available. Um, they're definite, and they can make some things smaller, logos different, more room for names, etc. Just some random uniform changes. Oh, there are actually a lot more changes than just four. I was looking at one page. Anyway, I'll skip all the rest and just get to the two that I want to talk about here. Um, so first one is shot clock um, resetting. Um, so previously for shot clock resetting, as we know, um, for an offensive rebound, it was at 20. And for a defensive rebound, it was 30. Before the rule was written that on an offensive rebound, um, it was up to the official's judgment whether they thought the, the ball hitting the rim was a legitimate shot attempt or not. Because if it was not a shot attempt and it hit the rim, the shot clock would not get reset. That's changed now just be whenever the ball hits the rim, it reset. Pretty pretty straightforward. Um, that one makes sense to me. Um, and the one um, the one that probably the biggest effect on the cyclones is a change to legal guiding position as it applies to taking charges. This rule change, I'm gonna read verbatim, says to establish legal guiding position on an airborne player with the ball, the defender must establish legal guiding guiding position before the opponent places the last foot on the floor prior to becoming airborne. So right, it used to be that you just had to be there before they left the floor, right? You couldn't get there after they left the floor. Now you have to get there before that last, that plant foot hits the ground. So essentially they made it harder to take charges um, is essentially what they did, which I'll, I say affects Iowa State because that's one of the keys to Iowa State defense is taking charges. Um, so something to keep in mind as you're analyzing those, um, always close and contentious block charge calls at the win this year is you've got to be set, um, prior to that plant foot hitting the ground, as opposed to that plant foot leaving the ground. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that one? No, I don't have any, any thoughts there. Okay. Sounds good. Um, we'll move right along to our write that down predictions and our accountability session then. Mm -hmm. And we have a decent sized accountability session here. Um, 
first, Arian, you predicted at the beginning of the year that the Vikings would have a worse record than last year. They finally picked up their fifth loss. I thought they were going to do that a long time ago, um, but they finally did now, which means they'll finish worse than they did last year because um, they lost four games last year, right? I'm not hallucinating that. I think you're right. Yeah. So they lost more games than last year officially, so you get a ding 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 You also predicted at some point – or. You predicted four weeks ago that the 49ers would lose exactly two out of the next four games, which they did exactly two out of four. All so right. Ding, 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 ding. The rest of these are all from Kyle or Wyatt. Kyle, you predicted Red Bull Racing would win 90% of races this year, which you tell me that they will do regardless of the result of the remaining races. Wyatt, is that true? Um... Yeah, yeah, they did. They they did. Yeah, because okay. I did double check. More than ninety percent would mean they would have had to have lost two races in the year, and currently, with one race left to go, there has only been one other team that has won a race, and that was yep. Ferrari. That doesn't seem very fun. I, I I tend to agree as well. It is kind of lame, but yeah, everything like the middle of the pack, you know, one point five is what we're looking for because that's where the interesting stuff is. Gotcha. I mean, winning is more interesting than not winning. Generally, yeah. A battle for first is a lot more interesting than a battle for not first. Sports are also more interesting than driving, though. So, I mean, you know, it's all preference. Fair. That's fair. What's, now, what's all our F1, now all our F1 fans are going to add <laughs> us for uh, saying that F1 is not a sport. Um, you can add Ariane for that specifically. Yeah. Anyway, we didn't ding, ding, ding Kyle for that one first. So, ding, 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 ding. Kyle, you predicted that Justin Verlander would be top three in Cy Young voting this year. I looked it up. He did not get a Cy Young vote, period, um, this year, which is not in the top three. So, nah. But you also predicted that the Royals would get a top five MVP vote this year. Which they did. Whit Merrifield, I believe, got two fourth-place votes and a couple of fifth-place votes. Sorry, not Whit Merrifield. Bobby Witt. I was like, what? The other Witt. Yes, the other one. Yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. He ended up finishing seventh overall, but he did get um, multiple uh, fifth or above-place votes. So, ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding. Wyatt, you predicted that Bob Melvin would get NL Manager of the Year. The only thing he got this year was fired. Um, <laughs> so, nah. Nah, nah. At least I think he got fired. Can somebody confirm that for me? Okay. Yeah. He definitely didn't win an award. I don't think he even got a vote. Let me check. Yeah, no, he didn't even get a vote. So, um, where are we? Kyle, you predicted that K-State will win the Big 12 regular season. Um... Why did I take that one off the board? I guess technically that could still happen. So never mind. We'll come back to this one. I jumped the gun on that one. My bad. Um, Wyatt, you predicted that we would beat um, Texas by more than seven, which we didn't with a loss. So, nah. Nah, nah, nah. You also predicted that we'd win out, including a bowl game, which we did not. So, nah. <laughs> And Kyle, you predicted that we'd beat Texas by eight or more. So, nah. Because I went is, off the line, you know. You did. At you the inverse time. the line. Um, but yeah, that nope, that didn't happen. That is it for our accountability session. Arian, you want to start by getting some stuff back on the board? 
Yeah, I would love to. Uh, I am all in on everything Minnesota this week. The Vikings good. will make the playoffs is my first prediction. One, I like mm. their chance because they've looked good. I mean, what's the Josh Dobbs, two, it's in the NFC, and the NFC is just a really bad division this year. Like, somebody has to make that second wild card spot. The, the NFC the, is a conference, first of all. Or, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's what the I mean. North is a division. The North is a, not a great division, and the NFC is not no, a good it's conference. Not. So the Vikings get the Bears at the Raiders, uh, at the Bengals, without Burrow. Without Burrow, yeah. Home, home versus the Lions, home versus the Packers, and then at the Lions to close out this regular season. So like F- F- FPI gives the Vikings a 78% chance to make the playoffs for what it's worth. Single. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be single. But just Which for comparison, kind of crazy thinking about, right? It is. But just for comparison to uh, cement your the NFC's worst point, the Bills are also 6 and 5, also projected for approximately 9 wins according to FPI and have a 39% chance to make the playoffs. Oof. So that's there, there's there's your AFC NFC distinction right there. Yeah, the Vikings will make Jeez. it. The Bills won't. Pretty much says what you need to hear about it. Okay, so we got a single, and I'm gonna double up, and I'm gonna say the the Timberwolves make the playoffs. And because I have to specify this now in the NBA, I do not mean the play ins. I mean the playoffs. Seeds so one through six. Top, yeah, top six seed. Yes. So they'll be a top six seed, or could top they be a seven seed. through ten and advance? No. Straight up top okay. six seed. Can yeah? Can you add a yeah, add a note add there for me? Thank you. Let me see if I can get uh, projections specifically on that. I yeah, can. I don't they do those. For... Okay. They do. ESP again. I'm using ESPN's VPI because five thirty eight has shut down the sports section, so I don't have anything better. Um, it gives the Timberwolves a ninety three point one percent chance to be in the top six. Oh my! I didn't know it was going to be oh, wow. that. High. So that single. would be very. Much I was a expecting single a well. single, but not a single like that. Yeah, very much a single. That's a bunt single. Mm-hmm. Dig it. Um, I am going to also ride this. Uh, the NFC is bad bandwagon, and I'm going to predict that a below 500 team makes the playoffs. Somebody somewhere. Is, is that going to come just from the winner of the NFC South? I was going to say, <laughs> looking at the NFC South right off God. the bat, right. It could come from the winner of the NFC South. It could be the third wild card team. Yeah, so like, right, let's right just now, talk about it a little Vikings. bit. You have basically go ahead and pencil in two slots for the, the Eagles and the Cowboys have a wild card. Then let's just say, sure, the Lions, the 49ers, and whoever out of the NFC South. Now you need another team, right? You need two more teams. Remember, seven teams. Two more teams. Play so yeah, we'll, we'll call Seattle Seahawks on that one for the other one. So you're looking at Vikings, who are the only team left that have a winning record, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then, then the, you're looking at Commanders, Packers, Packers, Falcons, Buccaneers, Rams. Blah. And I mean, yeah, the, all, Saints, the Saints uh, could realistically lose a bunch of games here. They have, yeah. They're at the Falcons, home against the Lions. Impressively, the, the Saints are worse than their 5-5 five and five record. I want to say single. So if I go back, I'll go back to the uh, football power index here. It projects, it doesn't project this to happen. It says the worst team in the NFC to make the playoffs would be a 8.9 and 8.1 Seahawks team. 
okay. I don't think this is. I don't think this is a single. This is okay. I was gonna say double. I'm cool with the double. That's fine. I just feel like the NFC is really bad. It's bad. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that was a single. That'd be a harsh single. Fair enough. Do anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? I do presume he is still alive and doing well, but he has not gotten back to me about a prediction. Um, so like last week, we will get it on the board when he gets back to me. Sounds good. I'll go ahead and predict just to go full circle that Brock Purdy is number one in QBR at the end of the regular season. If I recall correctly, he's number one right now. That is correct. Yeah. What's their remaining schedule? Can somebody find that for me? Uh, yeah, let me click on it. I have the San Francisco 49ers will play versus the Ravens at the Commanders. Wait, I'm sorry. At the, no, at the, at Seahawks, the Seahawks, at the Eagles, at the Eagles versus Seahawks. Yeah, there you go. At Cardinals versus Ravens, at Commanders, and versus Rams. So there are some hard games on there for sure. Eagles, Ravens stand out. Seahawks the Rams always. The Rams always have their number, it seems like, recently. That's true. NFC West games are always a mess. But who's close to him is another Sorry, question. the 49ers have the Rams number recently. That's what I meant to say. So but. Brock Purdy's at 77, Dax at 73.9, Justin Herbert 71.7, Josh Allen 69.9, and Pat Mahomes at 69.4. That's your top five. Give me a double. Seems reasonable to me. I agree. I think so, yeah. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, Iowa State wins the ESPN Invitational. I, I would tend to say double again but i could maybe I say triple i was thinking double i'm hot on the team i like a double that's fine with me i figured it probably would have been a double, double i would have taken it. a triple just because i'm we don't... sure you would well, of course <laughs> i'm sure you would have um but and then i do i did just hear from josh so we'll get oh, that on the board we're doing it live yep he's gonna predict that the bears beat the vikings on Monday Night Football this week. It is in Minnesota. Unlikely. Well, we for that one, right? FPI. I can Ugh. get some numbers for it's that It's so one good. Garbage. The Vikings are three and a half point favorites. Oh, wow. With a 62% chance to win, according to FPI. So, double? double. Maybe I'm just super low on the Bears, but uh, I feel that like that seems... team is generous. <laughs> I, I agree. That's why I'm going with, it's borderline double single with those numbers, yeah. but I'm definitely I'll double with that. Well. With that. Yeah. Well, that was good timing. So with two singles and four doubles, that concludes our Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 247. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our socials at 8311Cast, wherever you find us. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. Ariane Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!